0: You are listening to the Plain Label Podcast, Rewind. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams. And in this episode, we begin a discussion of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise with a look at 2003's Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Joining me once again for this episode is returning guest, Mr. Sean Stenglund.
1: Keep a weather eye open, you mateys.
0: <laughs> I'm glad. to <laughs> See, that's why I have you on, so I don't have to do the, <laughs> the pirate stuff. <laughs> uh, before getting into our discussion, I would like to mention that this podcast is still brought to you by the Deliberate Noise Network. Head over to deliberatenoise.com and check out some of the other shows that are over there. Okay, Mr. Stenglund, it has been a little bit since <laughs> we have had a chat about some films last time we talked about the david fincher and serial killers sort of thing but before we get into pirates of the caribbean what are you drinking for me this evening
1: well i wish i could say that in the spirit of the films i'm just drinking spiced rum straight (laughs) from a dirty bottle uh but tonight i am having a very hardcore cocktail of diet seagram's ginger ale full stop
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you newspaper people are some manly men.
1: Oh, yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs>
0: That's okay. You're on vacation. You can never whatever the hell you want, right?
1: Yeah, I'm on vacation and not drunk on a Monday night. I don't know what's happening. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, wonders never cease. I am also <laughs> I am drinking a, a clear alcohol, which is uh, not a, a clear rum. Although I thought about it, and we do have it, but I was like, no, that, that's just, that's not a good mix for me. I'm having <laughs> um, I'm having some Svedka vodka and some lime Lacroix, which is water.
1: Ah, there you go. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so pretty basic. Okay, so with that, I think we are ready to kick off our discussion of the 2003 film Pirates of the Caribbean: The Curse of the Black Pearl. You
1: don't know what this is, do you? Aztec gold, the heathen gods placed upon the gold, a terrible curse, ten years we've searched, every last piece we have found, save for this, hello Bobby, they've taken Elizabeth, welcome aboard the Black Pearl, we must save her, where do we start, Jack Sparrow, he talked about the Black Pearl, Make a deal with him; he can lead us to
0: it. You forget your place. You are a blacksmith. If you spring me from this cell, I shall take you to the black pearl and your bonny lass. You're a pirate. I forgot one very important thing, mate. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. Not sure I deserve it you're not facing normal pirates cruel, demented, vicious pirates to be certain say goodbye good boy but cruel, demented, vicious pirates who cannot be killed the moonlight shows us for what we really are that's interesting we are cursed men I hardly believe in ghost stories anymore
1: you best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. can oh. you all remember Captain Jack Sparrow? Kill him. I'm
0: gonna teach you to mean little pain. You like pain? Try wearing a corset.
1: they come. pirates of the caribbean the curse of the black pearl i may have deserved
0: and the imdb plot synopsis not written by me i will stress that again for people that have uh <laughs> or maybe new to the show, it goes like this. Pirates of the Caribbean is a sweeping action-adventure story set in an era when villainous pirates scavenge the Caribbean seas. This rollercoaster tale teams a young man, Will Turner, with an unlikely ally in rogue pirate Jack Sparrow. Together, they must battle a band of the world's most treacherous pirates led by the cursed Captain Barbossa in order to save Elizabeth, the love of Will's life, as well as recover the lost treasure that Jack seeks. Against improbable odds, they race towards a climactic confrontation on the mysterious Isle de Muerta. Clashing their swords in fierce mortal combat, Will and Jack attempt to recapture the Black Pearl ship, save the British Navy, and relinquish a fortune in forbidden <laughs> treasure, thereby lifting the curse of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Holy shit, that's a lot of words. <laughs> so... Uh, Pretty simple. It is a uh, Jack Sparrow and Legolas versus everyone else kind of a movie. <laughs> yes. So uh, before we get into the actual film, Sean has some history with the film that I do not have.
1: Well, yes, uh, it, it has been, it was joked by a family friend that I was in fact conceived aboard the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction at Disneyland. <laughs> oh my god, uh, gross. <laughs> my, my parents, my parents loved Disneyland. They loved the attraction that this series of films is based upon. I grew up knowing what Pirates of the Caribbean was without any, um, cognizant memories of Disneyland. I had been there when I was a baby, but I don't, rem- I, my first, coherent trip there was not until i was um nine years old but i felt like i already knew everything there was to know about this this theme park ride which if you don't know is a slow moving boat ride um that really has nothing to do with the supernatural has nothing to do with jack sparrow at least it didn't before these movies um all the characters of this movie were created for the movie on the bare bones of, of a boat ride that was built in 1967. Um, it was one of the last rides that Walt Disney personally, um, supervised before he died. He did not get to see it finished. So he died a year before it opened. Um, and it's a weird tale the ride tells because it starts with the pirates all being dead, but they're not undead like in the movie. It's sort of like a cautionary thing. Like this is what happened to all these guys. They're all you, know, you see these skeletons in this in this spooky blue lagoon with all their treasure, but yeah, it's a big deal. They died with it, and then you see what they did to get the treasure. It was kind of a the the backwards narrative was a necessity of the way Disneyland was built. Basically, there was no more room in the park for the ride, so you board the ride in a station that's in the park. Then you go down two waterfalls that go underneath the train tracks because so many theme parks have a train going around. And so they built the dark blue lagoon part, the spooky part, and this in this underground thing uh, section underneath the train tracks. Then you come up at the end back into the park after you've seen in this huge show building that reconnects back to the park. Um, so that's a that's a loose way of explaining what the ride is, but it's basically. Here's these dead pirates. They got all this treasure. They didn't, they couldn't do anything with it. And now here's how they got it. And they show them sacking a town and, and launching an attack on port, on Tortuga or Port Royal or whatever you'd care to have it stand in for. Those are two locations in the movie. Um, so that's probably way too much explanation about the ride. It's a boat (laughs) ride about pirates. And now that the movies became so huge, now Jack Sparrow and Barbosa and other characters are in the ride. But it's fundamentally the ride has never changed.
0: Really? So what? OK, so Jack Sparrow is a, is a brand new character.
1: Yes. All the characters in this movie are were created for the movie. And then they they put in references to the ride here and there. More usually visual references and the song. The song is referenced at least three times yeah. from the from the ride. But the ride really doesn't have much of a narrative. It's just kind of, here's a band of pirates sacking a town. Now they try to force a narrative where Barbosa is looking for Jack Sparrow, and Jack Sparrow pops up a few times within the ride. But it was really just kind of supposed to be an atmospheric thing, and that's kind of how Disney built their reputation um, as an innovator in theme parks. They would make these big rides that were not thrill rides. It was just, we're going to transport you into another place for 17 minutes, which is how long Pirates of the Caribbean, the original version is 17 minutes. You're on this boat. Um, And it's really more about being sucked into the world than telling a story.
0: Hmm, That's crazy. Because I think one of the things that I was struck by watching this film, and I I guess, I guess I would attribute it to the success of the franchise and the sort of um, the pop culture, that surrounds the films now is that once Jack Sparrow came into this movie and was introduced finally and um, and we'll talk about all of that stuff here in just a second. But mm-hmm. once once he was introduced, I was like, oh, Jack Sparrow. OK, uh, that's a it came across to me like, oh, here's a, here's the person that uh, you already know about.
1: Yes, it does kind of, he, he, that's the brilliance of this performance is that it seems like it arrives as a fully formed character.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> huh. And that's, I guess I'm just trying to wrap my, wrap my mind around that now because I was like, Oh, well, this must be the main person that's in like some version of this, not him doing mm-hmm. the, you know, the Keith Richards thing, but some, uh, some version of, of Captain Jack Sparrow was, in the ride, was what my impression was, but that's really interesting to me to to know that that's wholly created for the film. And this is a Ted Elliott, Terry Rossio,
1: yes, uh, who probably most famously before this scripted Aladdin. Okay, so hmm. they have a history with Disney, uh, you know, saying that you script Aladdin maybe doesn't mean that much between the fact that all animated films have a story department and that in Aladdin's case, you had Robin Williams pretty much ad-libbing everything he did. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but that's a good, you know, they, they were, they have written a lot of movies, especially I would say this was pirates was probably the end of their career. Interesting. Um, I don't think you see their names in anything anymore, mm-hmm. but they don't, they probably don't need to do anything after these movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, Really? So let me ask you this then: How much do you? Th- how much, in your opinion, is what's on the page and what Depp is doing?
1: I think that Depp. I know for a fact that a lot of these throwaway lines that seem really off the wall are Depp's creation. There's one where they cut back to him talking to the two, to the two naval officers that he's trying to con so that he can take the Dauntless. Yes. There's, there's a scene there where he goes, and then they made me their chief. And that's like a reference to some obscure British comedy mm. that he came up with on the day. So I think it's fair to say that a lot of that stuff he planted along the way himself.
0: Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's stick with the characters because one of the notes that I had written down here, and I guess for people that haven't uh, figured this out yet, this is a first watch for me. Uh, I somehow, you know, for someone that watches as many movies as I have and then, do for the the show this was the first time that i had watched this and i think part of what it was is um i feel like especially in 2003 i had this preconceived notion of oh it's this disney ride that has been turned into a movie i'm not gonna that's not gonna be something that interests me Mm -hmm. and then you know i was well aware of the the box office and the sort of way that it seeped into pop culture and and uh, everyone talking about death and his performance and what he was doing on screen in this and all that kind of thing and and it just became like the movie and everyone had seen it and i was definitely in my eric williams stage where i was like no i'm not gonna watch it then (laughs) like if everyone's seeing it everyone's liking it i'm not gonna see it i'm not gonna go watch it uh i'm just gonna sit here and stew about something well, and
1: and by the time this came out on DVD, who had time for a two and a half hour pirate movie when there was a four hour Lord of the Rings movie to go see? Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what's so funny is, yeah, I was definitely I was way into all the Lord of the Rings stuff, but mm-hmm. um, I did I, <laughs> I did feel the length of this film. I will say that.
1: Yes, there there it seems like it uh, repeats the same beats twice in the last hour of this movie. Yeah, because got... you go to Isla de Muerta twice mm-hmm. and you have at least two two uh, sea-bound sea battles at the end when there could probably just be one.
0: Yeah, we got to a point where I watched this with my daughter and she's now nine. And so I was like, oh, this would be perfect for her to watch. Uh, you know, it doesn't have a whole lot of sexuality. I mean, Keira Knightley, they like try to make her more shapely. <laughs> We'll say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I'm yes. like
0: that. Eh. I'm like, okay. Um, but uh, even though it's right at PG-13, I was like, no, she can handle this. And we had, had paused it at one point because she actually had gone to see the Nutcracker uh, when mm. I was watching this. Mm. And so I, we had paused it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll just watch it when you get back. And I looked and there was like an hour and 10 minutes left still. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, what? Like, Holy shit. Like I thought, this and was this, almost over.
1: And this is one of the shorter ones in the series.
0: <laughs> That's crazy to me.
1: Yes, that is crazy. It but is on. Jerry? Uh,
0: it is on Netflix for for those that are wanting to maybe catch up with this while we're talking about it.
1: So, did you watch it on Netflix? Uh,
0: I we watched it. We watched it twice. Uh, mm-hmm. We watched it once via the DVD. Uh, I got it through uh, Netflix DVD. And then we watched it again yesterday, just as a kind of refresher uh to remind me the things that I wanted to talk about. And we watched that on
1: Netflix. I, I asked, cause I watched it on the original Blu-ray release and I was kind of pleasantly surprised by how non blu rayish it looked. It was, it was, there was a lot of film grain. Mm. It looked like a real film. It didn't look like a big, like a, like a video game. So I'm just curious if the Netflix transfer looks like that too, or if they've, if they've noise reducted the hell out of it, and it just looks like a video game now. <laughs> well,
0: I will say that I don't know if some of it is due to uh, making it look a little ultra-polished, or if it's yeah. the actual filming of the of the film. But it's mm-hmm. there are some parts where, that are like not where they're not on location. And you're like, yeah. whoa, they are really not on location right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you can really tell on this movie because they did shoot a lot of it on location. Mm-hmm. So when they yeah, when they do take you out of the like, especially in the Isla de, de Muerta set, you're like, Okay, now we're on a sound stage. <laughs> yeah, well there,
0: there's times where uh, it's like the old trick where Depp is really big in frame. It's like from shoulder it's like his shoulders up. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like standing on the side of the frame. And then three quarters of the right hand side is all some uh, some image that's just plopped in there. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, I was like, that does not look great. I was like, that's <laughs> that's literally what we're teaching the kids to do in one of my classes. So I was like, uh yeah, I can hmm. I, I can spot that. Like <laughs> that yeah. is just putting that is just overlaying a green screen right there. That is not. Uh, yeah, that is not that. So,
1: but hey, you know, for by the time this airs, for 15 year old movie, it oh, looks yeah. pretty good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was, I was really impressed with, especially all of the, uh, the beginning, you know, Jack getting away from everyone once he finally gets onto the, onto the, um, once he docks his whatever. <laughs> that, right. That <laughs> sunken ship. <laughs> Whenever he finally docks that thing. And, and like you said, it w- comes out and into the film as a fully formed character. Mm-hmm. once he does that and then escapes I was like um wow this is this looks all practical to me like this mm-hmm. all looks really um just well choreographed and I really liked that i really liked the scene with uh with will Turner and him when they're fighting in the little underground uh you know whatever the hell uh the deal with the donkey and the uh oh the blacksmith show. yeah the blacksmith thank you yeah, I really liked that where they had all of the different things and they had the kind of, they had the Daredevil-esque uh, teeter-totter, which reminded me <laughs> yes. of that awful film. And uh, I was like, oh boy, look at this. Uh, I was like, oh, that's kind of, and, and it, it struck me as charming at that point instead of like, oh, what are they doing?
1: Well, uh, and when when this came out, to see a sword, you know, an honest to God sword fight in a real location was a breath of fresh air after two Star Wars prequels. hmm You know, which, you know, at first when Phantom Menace comes out, uh, the most exciting part was this lightsaber battle where everybody's like Jackie Chan. Mm -hmm. But that, you know, but with no, with no gravity, no limits to what they can do. Um, but then to just see two guys with swords in a real set, I remember thinking, Hey, you haven't seen that in a while. Right.
0: (laughs) Well, I I was watching that, that scene and I'm sitting there thinking, Oh yeah, he was Legolas. (laughs) i was like because i'm sitting there thinking damn orlando bloom like yeah go like go ahead like look at this and i was like oh shit well no wonder and then it it immediately made me think well good for you johnny depp you know because i'm like wait a minute you're like the big star you're the one who's got all of this extra um you know this extra costuming going on
1: Mm -hmm. and all
0: of all of the shit all over your face and all this sort of stuff and i'm like uh you know good for you for being able to Uh, not only emote like he does throughout the film but but to also do a lot of the or at least appear to do a lot of the the sword fighting and stunts and that sort of thing
1: yeah if they're you know i'm sure that Stunt double did a lot of work for him, but there are no obvious instances of, of that. And there's no obvious face replacement either. So Uh it's a very well made movie in that respect.
0: Sure. So what, uh, what I was going to get at before I kind of got sidetracked was I really like
1: (laughs) us get sidetracked. Yeah, really.
0: (laughs) This is going to, I guarantee we'll end up talking about some other movie at some point. Um, but I, I really like how every single one of the (laughs) characters are introduced. I thought that that was something that I really appreciated as it was a little bit more than just a stock character except for mm-hmm. what's his name Uh Norrington except for maybe yeah him. which but that's what his role is right I don't feel mm-hmm. like he was there was an attempt to really develop a character there so much but in the, the other like the main four I guess is what I'm looking at is you know, Johnny Depp's character, Barbossa, Will Turner, and Swan, I think the four of them, they felt like they weren't figuring out who they were as they went. Mm-hmm. And I've, I don't know if it's just a thing where when I when I watch more recent films, I just feel like they're rushed. I feel like, uh, oh, you don't really know who this character is yet, and you're just kind of mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. And it's more about the spectacle and more about the plot, and it's not really about the characters. And here, even though there is such spectacle, and it's kind of overtaken by Johnny Depp for me at some points, just by sheer personality and and uh, I don't know, just kind of like gall to go for <laughs> to go for what he's going for, right? Mm-hmm. Just to be like, I, I just can't imagine being on set going, uh, wait, so. You're really – that's how you're going to read it? Like, that's – you're being for real. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's let's do it. Shit. You know, that, those first couple days, I just couldn't believe, like, oh, you're speaking like that? Like, all right. Because – Well, I, it even goes – He just strikes me as the kind of guy that wouldn't go to, like, a, a line reading and read it like that. He'd just show up on set and be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And it even spills over to the other characters. Like, there's that part where Will Turner – they're talking about when Jack was stranded on the island and Joshimi Gibbs, who is actually uh, played by Kevin McNally. He starts as like Norrington's second, like mate in the first, in the first scene, but then he ends up being Jack's like first mate by the end of the movie. He's my favorite character in this movie, by the way. My favorite minor character, this Mr. Gibbs guy. Hmm. Uh, he, he tells the story of how Jack basically got heat stroke on that island and, and Orlando Bloom, Oh, is that, does that explain all that? He does like an imitation Mm. of Johnny Depp, Right. (laughs) I just love that. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, and I may get shit for this, but I like Orlando Bloom and me too. I I think he is doing exactly what he's asked to do because Mm -hmm. in the script, he has to play the sort of vanilla, earnest uh like wistful sort of you know generic kind of protagonist Mm
1: -hmm. like that's
0: what he's asked to do and so that's i think he does that really well he does that almost the exact same type of performance in the lord of the rings films to where he's he's not you know he's not trying to melt hearts or or uh fool anyone with like witticisms really in this you know You're he's right. he's playing Ernest, and he, I think he does that really well. and And I know he gets shit on, but I think that he's good. And I think that um, I will admit that I I I don't think that I would consider it a film that I would ever watch again. But I didn't think Elizabeth Town was that bad.
1: Oh, <laughs> the Cameron Crowe yeah. film
0: he made that, and then he basically disappeared off the face of the earth.
1: Yeah, I kind of have a. I I thought that movie kind of got unfairly shit on too. Yeah. Um, the thing that struck me about Orlando Bloom this time, you were talking about character introductions, uh-huh. is you know, so we meet Will Turner as a kid in the very first scene, and really we we know he came out of the water after a pirate attack. He has this medallion on, and you know that he and Elizabeth are going to fall in love. You just mm-hmm. know that from the first. I mean, that's just so clearly defined. Right. And then the next time you see him he doesn't even have to say anything for his whole character to be defined. He's waiting. He's waiting in Elizabeth's father's house. He's got a package under his arm and he's admiring this, this candelabra on the Mm -hmm. wall. And just pulls it right off the wall. And it's just (laughs) like, and it kind of sums like, you know, he's this very earnest, good hearted character, but for most of this movie, he can't quite put it over. (laughs) Like despite, you know, he, he defeats Jack but then his drunken master gets the credit for it. Mm-hmm. He kind of gets undermined all throughout the movie until the end of the movie. And, yeah. and that's – I think it, it sets it up perfectly right in the first like five minutes of the movie. Exactly. Because then he's in the big
0: – the first big sort of battle sequence and he's in there and he's kicking ass and then he gets hit in the back of the head. Yeah. yeah. And just kind of – a passerby <laughs> just kind of bonks him. Yeah. Right? And, and he just falls over. And it's just little things like that to where it's like uh, – you know, it's definitely – Hey audience, see yourself in this guy. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, this is this is your uh, this is your character right here. <laughs> it's like Johnny Depp's fun, but this is your this is your dude. Uh, so I thought that I think that he's good. I think that he's fun. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Mr. Barbosa. What, <laughs> tell me about uh, Jeffrey Rush, who is having himself some good times.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the, I don't know if if I've seen too many performances that are. are more an actor having the greatest time of his life. I mean, he's really relishing it. And that's a guy who doesn't need to do a Pirates of the Caribbean movie and now he's done 5 of them.
0: Oh, is um, that right?
1: Oh shit. <laughs> I guess by the way, Barbosa doesn't stay dead. Well, I, I said before we start, I, I I, I'll I try try not to ruin anything for the future movies, but now I just did. Oh, well, it's well, not
0: like... That's not... I mean, it's not like I'm, <laughs> I'm not on my knees going,
1: no! I know. Yeah. But, um... And, you know, he he presents himself as a very... Uh, as, as being all about formality when you first see him, but then he subverts it right away with, ah, they're more guidelines than uh-huh, rules. Uh-huh. It's this really it's this really great character who is terrible, but you also kind of respect his ethics in a way. (laughs) Right. And, um, uh, I don't know. I think he's a great character.
0: Yeah. I think he's a lot of fun. I think that if you watch him and especially him and Depp's role or him and depth scenes, I think that it's really hard not to just admire the amount of fun the two of them are having. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, sort of where I fall on the film is is sure there are things you can nitpick and yeah it's it's maybe a little long and there's things that they could have cut and some things work better than others and all this sort of stuff that's pretty minor really but overall it's just fun it's just a fun movie and I think that you know that's my overall take on it is yeah it's not for necessarily your uh you know it's not like your indie sort of 40 seat kind of a film you know, it's right. not going to open on like a Wednesday and only be there until Friday or something like that. Like it's <laughs> it's a big spectacle of a film. It's Gore Verbinski, so what do you expect, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's uh it's like big and loud and and kind of broad and and it, but ultimately it's a lot of fun and it makes a movie out of something that I don't think everyone thought could be made into a movie.
1: Well, yeah, and what's really amazing about this movie to me first that they would let depp do what he did Mm -hmm. which you know i I, you 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 have to because without him giving that performance i don't know what this movie would have been but then i think the structure of this movie is very strange okay and very and very convoluted to the point where so who do you who do you think is the protagonist of this movie
0: (laughs) That is a really good question. So
1: (laughs) I know, isn't it? And it's a, and it's your your answer to that make to that question may even change over time as you see the rest of the movies. Uh, Okay, and it's just I don't understand. Like I, I just I don't understand how this script got approved for a project this risky. Yeah, I I can't. I don't know how this project got approved. Period. It's like we're going to make a two hundred million dollar pirate movie based on a ride at Disneyland. Like I don't. I don't know who put it over in the pitch room. I would I would imagine it was Bruckheimer who was just like I want to make a pirate movie. And yeah. they were like, "Okay, Mr. Bruckheimer, whatever you want."
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe they were just but, like epic movies are the thing with a big cast and we yeah. got this uh we've got this Disney property that we, I think we can turn into a film.
1: And at the time, you know, they had they had done a Country Bears movie. <laughs> oh
0: my goodness. Which
1: was a big joke. Um I think that was the only one they had done so far that was based on a theme park property. Or maybe the Haunted Mansion movie came out before that too, but that, and that was a, that was also terrible. Hmm. Um, and really none of the other ones, you know, they, they've been trying to get a Jungle Cruise movie off the ground for a while and I think it's going to finally happen with The Rock. But Uh, then that would be like his third movie. That would be like his third movie in a row that's like a jungle adventure because he's got (laughs) Jumanji. And he's got Rampage coming, which starts in a, as a jungle adventure, and then he's going to do a movie called Jungle Cruise. I don't know, so I yeah. don't know if that's
0: going to work. Speaking of Jumanji, but, what the hell? What the hell is Karen Gillan wearing in that movie?
1: Karen Gillan, Karen Gillan's character is supposed to be like a Lara Croft type, and the and the kid. So the the premise of the new Jumanji is these kids find an old video game, and they get sucked into the video game. And like the, the shy, withdrawn girl ends up looking like Lara Croft in the video game. Hmm. And they use, and from what I've read, they use that as a commentary on that sort of character in video games. Oh, okay. But yeah. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) When you first saw the pictures, it was a little alarming. I was was like, like, what the
0: hell? Yeah. Like, oh my God. Like how (laughs) (laughs) everyone else is like in full camo and she's wearing like half of a shirt. I'm like, yes. All right. So, huh? Uh, yes. So this film got approved. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the, the one main character that we haven't really talked about. What do you think about Kira Knightley's performance in this movie?
1: Well, I, I remember at the time not knowing much about her and she became a big star after this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like this is the movie that put her over big time. Um, I mean, I'll, I, she's probably my favorite character in the movie, other than I've now said that three different characters are my favorite character in the movie. <laughs> I was kind of realizing watching this again last night that I like this movie even more than I think I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has to do a lot. She has to do a lot in this movie, and she has to not come off as a damsel in distress, even though she is for part of it. But then she gets to take charge at the end, and you believe it. At least I do. When she's giving orders on the Black Pearl at the end, right? Um, and she has uh, some very nice scenes with Depp on the island where she gets to—I think she's faking being drunk. We find out at the yes. end of that sequence. Yeah, that seemed to be. Yeah. <laughs> and it's you know I I mean I would never tell you that Kira Knightley is one of my favorite actors, but then. Every time I see her, I'm like, oh, Kira Knightley's great. So I don't know what it is about her where I kind of forget about her all the time. Mm-hmm. But then every time I see her, she's like, oh, I'm like, she's great. <laughs>
0: so you're trying to tell me that you didn't think she was a big star after Bendem like Beckett, or Bend It Like Beckham?
1: Well, I think she was a big star with film critics after Bend It Like Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Which, she had... since those were the only people that saw that movie. <laughs> yeah, she had quite
0: a quite a year. 2003, she had this. And she had Love Actually. Oh, that's true. Those are the two things that really kind of catapulted her. Because then she did King Arthur the following year. And then she did The Jacket, Pride and Prejudice, and Domino all in 2005. Uh, And that was her trying to lead a film in 05. And then she's apparently in uh, some Pirates of the Caribbean films. And then (laughs) then Atonement. And then, you know, kind of goes on to be the sort of movie star that we know her as. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I would say this is definitely her, uh, the role that she's most widely seen in would be. Well, that's for sure. This. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't, uh, I don't know. Like what, uh, what would you say to people that don't appreciate this film? Like, what is it that, uh, is the, the rap sort of against this? Because I felt like there was this weight going into this movie that I don't know. I guess I, it was, Just sort of, um, you know, that I was just bringing to it because of my own sort of grumpiness. But what, uh, like, is this, do you feel like this is a a beloved film from everyone? Or do you think you have to be of a certain mindset? Or what do you think about that?
1: Well, when it came out, I mean, the rap on it was obviously... It's based on a boat ride at Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And that was enough for most people to write it off. And then the reviews came out, and everybody was talking about how Johnny Depp was doing this amazing thing. And I think that's why everybody went in the first place, was to see Johnny Depp. I don't think all the reviews in the world could convince most people that a pirate movie is what they want to see. Mm. I think that Johnny Depp was the main attraction for people who were curious about it. Now, why people kept going back, not only to this movie, because anytime you have a movie that makes this much money, you're having repeat viewing, mm-hmm. but to get people to keep going back to this movie and to the two that followed it, and the two that followed those even, maybe not so much here in America, but around the world, I don't know if that if you can say that's all Johnny Depp, especially now when Johnny Depp, at least in America, is kind of persona non grata thanks to accusations by amber heard Mm -hmm. um so i guess i've always assumed that this was a victim of the the dudes in on the internet not liking (laughs) not like you know trying to um, bash something that's more of a women's uh phenomenon Hmm. I've. I guess I. You know whether people think about it or realize it writ large. I think that the fan base for these movies is probably more women than men.
0: That's interesting.
1: Because I think they in the expect for the first one. I think it was women who were going over and over again to see. I, I should qualify straight women who were going to see Johnny Depp and Orlando Bloom. Hmm. That was the. That was the. The. That was how I saw it because I knew a lot of women in my family and around me who went to see it multiple times.
0: That's really funny that you bring that up because I remember the first time that I was going to watch this, I was on vacation and we ended up uh, having something come up and we didn't see it. But the people that had brought up that we should see it was uh, the person that I was dating at the time. And then a good friend of mine who, and they were both female Mm -hmm. and they were saying we should see this blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, okay. What, you know, whatever Uh, because they had the dvd uh, right after it had come out Mm. and then i remember you know when we were going to watch this again my wife's like oh yeah i've seen that movie and so you know the people that obviously i wasn't searching out uh other audiences for the film before this discussion but everyone that i've talked to about the film has enjoyed the film and they've been female
1: so that's there you go I feel like that was kind of a that year was a little bit of a watershed moment for me, where I realized, oh wait, the nerd and and this has kind of played out in in the 15 years since and and the, the rise of social media, that nerd culture does not belong to men. Like I felt like 2003 is where I finally realized it, because hmm. I because this happened with Pirates, and then as I was going to see Lord of the Rings four or five six times and looking around at everybody else who was in the theater with me and that I was outnumbered it was that was kind of a, a a big moment for me hmm. where I was like oh see this isn't just the domain of of guys like me with beards anymore <laughs> <laughs> and now i think it bears out cuz now all the all the hardest core hardest core all the <laughs> most ardent fans of nerd properties that i know are women all Interesting. of them so I, I feel like maybe that's always been that way, but it was always cast a certain way. And now in the age of social media and the internet and just people being more open in general about who they are, mm-hmm. I feel like that's, that's come to light. And I feel like this was kind of a demarcation point for me. Well, that's really in realizing that. Hmm.
0: That is interesting. One of the things that I forgot to mention earlier that I want to make sure that we uh, bring up before, we, we wrap up is, um, let's talk a little bit about Mackenzie Crook's character of <laughs> Rigetti, who I've known because he was the original Dwight, right? He was the original, yes. uh, Dwight character in the, in the British. Gareth. Office. Gareth, yeah. yes, which is the most British sounding name <laughs> that has ever been. But, um, Gareth Keenan, yes, from The Office, and he, was wonderful in that it was just an absolute dumbass in that which was exactly what he was supposed <laughs> to be and and so when i first when i saw this i was like oh my god it's the dude from the office and because you know like i said i had no uh i had no frame of reference for who was in this movie right uh, besides the main four or five and uh so i loved seeing him and i was glad to see that he didn't just disappear and i did get a good chuckle like i feel i felt like that I felt like the middle-aged, like, uncle or something laughing at the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just felt like, yeah. <laughs> I, w- I was watching the movie and I just, like, was laughing at, like, the, like, the, just the kind of the dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, with, the, with them dressing like women and being on the boat and, uh, Gareth, as I'll always remember him by, is, you know, he's in the getup and I'm just like, oh, that's funny. And I'm just like chuckling to myself a little bit. And I'm like, God, I'm like somebody's uncle right now is what I I felt like.
1: I think, uh, you know, so many of these movies are either humorless or so broadly unfunny that when you have little unexpected things, even if they're stupid, you appreciate them more. Yeah. Maybe that's part of it. Well,
0: and it, I think it was funny to me because it wasn't some it wasn't some joke about like someone being gay or someone right. being like getting kicked in the balls or something. Mm-hmm. It like wasn't the sort of joke that I would have kind of been like, uh, okay, like it wasn't as sophomoreish sophomoreish as I expected, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was, I don't know, I was just kind of like, ah, oh, that's funny. Look at them; they look stupid.
1: Those two characters, uh, Mackenzie Crook and Lee Ehrenberg is the other guy who right. um is on he's he plays one of the seven dwarfs on Once Upon a Time right now. So oh, he really? got his, he's he's still uh in the Disney realm. Um they start out as two of the scariest characters in this movie. Uh Lee Ehrenberg's character Pintel just straight up murders a dude the first time you see him. Right, yeah. He shoots that guy right in the head, and then they're like they're like the the most outlandish comic relief toward the end of the movie. So, I mean, there's definitely some total issues, which I guess is kind of in keeping with the theme park ride, which is, you know, has a the scene, they're getting rid of this scene now, but it did have a scene for many years where they were basically selling the townswomen into slavery to the pirates, a sex slavery to the pirates, uh-oh, uh-oh. but that it's a good jaunty old time. But yeah, there's a part where they're having a bride auction on the ride.
0: Yeah. Well, some of that's iffy, I mean, right? They're changing
1: because,
0: that. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to do, if you're doing pirates and you're wanting it to be a serious thing, I mean, some of that stuff depends on like yeah. how real you want to be.
1: Yes, exactly. You
0: know? And, and I mean, I'm all for you know not uh like being prejudiced towards anyone or being insensitive towards anything, but if we're talking about pirates, I mean some of that shit was terrible
1: <laughs> so. yes, and I'd say this movie goes farther than the ride ever did. I was kind of surprised watching it this time um after uh Elizabeth and Jack have their Jack and Rose moment oh, right, it's like yeah. right out of it's like right out of Titanic <laughs> yes, and um and Jack, you know, um, puts the chains around her neck and he and he has her put his personal effects back on. And it's very it's really kind of gross oh, the it's way the, that he, the look
0: that he gives. Yes. Yeah.
1: And and then later on, like Barbosa says there's some ultimatum he gives her and he and he's uh the dog is barking. now. The dog now, disagrees. So we might want to cut this part out, but uh please hold. No, you're Alter. fine.
0: I don't care about the dog. It's fine.
1: But um, there's a part where Barbosa kind of gives her an ultimatum. Yes, and says if if you don't want to do that, then we'll just turn you loose. And he basically throws her to be gang raped by the crew. Right? Jesus Christ!
0: Yeah, because he says something about um, uh, like her her bounty or her their their uh something about the spoils or something yes when he throws them to the group and i'm like Ew, that's a little yeah I'm glad the little one doesn't know what that means
1: yeah there's a lot i mean there you know there's a there, they have to walk quite a, pla- a tonal plank in this movie don't they <laughs>
0: yes that's what the tagline should have been walking the tonal plank
1: <laughs> that would have really brought him in
0: because <laughs> <laughs> ta- i'm looking at the tagline right now and it's it's uh over three thousand islands of paradise. For some, it's a blessing. For others, it's a curse. Uh, I don't love that
1: that's one. a that's the tagline for yeah. this movie. <laughs> and it's
0: also the other one is prepare to be blown out of the water.
1: I remember that.
0: I don't love that, either one of those.
1: That, that, I remember that tagline on the original poster where they they straight up had an image out of the ride as the poster image oh, that really? has no that has no analogous image in the movie not really (laughs) it was just like well we don't know what to show you from this movie so here's this
0: (laughs) that's really interesting huh so yeah so what uh is there anything else that you wanted to bring up about this film or the ride or or this is the only time that uh going through this series we're only going to be talking about one of the films we figured we'd give this one a little bit more room to breathe before, uh you know, saying, oh, yeah, it's these characters and they're doing this stuff again and that kind of thing. But is there anything that we've missed so far or anything that you wanted to bring up?
1: Well, as far as references to the ride, it starts with the song. Yes. There's the, the famous scene where the dog has the keys in his mouth. Oh,
0: yeah. OK, yes. Explain this to me because everyone's yeah. trying to get the dog.
1: Yeah, so there's a scene at the end of, of the ride where the town has been sacked and some of the pirates are locked away and there's just this dog sitting there with the keys in his mouth because all the, the jailer has left town because the town's burning down. And the, it's just like in the movie where the pirates are trying to, to get this dog to come to them to give him the keys. And then Jack Sparrow in the movie says, it doesn't matter what you do, that dog is never going to move. And I just like that because the dog, you know, the dog will never move. He hasn't moved in 50 years <laughs> at Disneyland. So there's that. Um, and there's... see, okay,
0: so so I didn't understand. Well, obviously I didn't know that, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's like, "Oh, you're not doing whatever, whatever. The dog's not going to move."
1: Uh huh.
0: And so then they all are. Uh, they all get out. And so then yes. he's he gets the bone and he's calling to the dog and the dog comes over, but then the dog, you know, doesn't give him the keys and just kind of walks right on by. And I remember thinking, like, what the hell? Like, what? Like, what did I miss? Like, what the hell is the yeah. dog even there for? And...
1: There are, yeah. So that's that's one. That's that's a vignette from the ride that they tried to make work on its own in the movie. But then there's other just kind of grabs of images, like when Barbosa first reveals himself as undead to Elizabeth, and he pours the wine,
0: oh, and it is, goes through his yes. rib cage. Uh-huh.
1: That's an image from the ride. Um,
0: isn't there, isn't there one towards the end where it's like, uh, the, the, um, it's like the, an undead or a skeleton or whatever. And they're, they're completely in like a skeleton form. And they're coming directly at the, the camera.
1: Well, I mean, just the whole, I don't think that that's a, I, I wouldn't say that's a, Direct visual reference, but okay. the skeletons—I mean, the the whole conceit of them turning into skeletons is a way for them to recall the ride without, but, but but embellishing on it by making it part of the story by having them turn into the skeletons instead of. I don't know how to explain it. Because okay. <laughs> it just it's seemed like,
0: well, they just turned into they just turned into skeletons, and I was like, oh, this has to be something directly from the from the ride.
1: It's, well, yeah, like like I said, the ride shows them dead first, oh, and, right, and then okay. it's it's narratively very strange, the ride. Um, it makes more sense in, in the Paris version, they turned it back around, where they sack the town, and then you go into the caverns and see them after they've died with all their riches, but nothing, nothing you know, they can't do anything with it. It makes more sense in that version. <laughs> huh. Um I thought I had another thing from the ride I wanted to point out that I hadn't noticed before. But now I can't find it, and okay. that's really enough for that. Um, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention was the music, which...
0: Oh, yes, yes. How I in have, the world I, have we not mentioned the mu- music yet?
1: I have not been able to nail down this story in many years, because it seems like there's no official version of it, and every, every weirdo on a film score message board has his or her own idea of what happened. But basically, they hired Alan Silvestri to do the score, and Alan Silvestri, who did *Back to the Future* and uh, you know all these Robert Zemeckis movies, and you would probably expect him to deliver like an old-timey swashbuckling score. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, Jerry Bruckheimer said no, so they wanted to bring aboard Hans Zimmer, who is Bruckheimer's guy. But for whatever reason, Hans Zimmer's name is not listed as composer, so Klaus Bedelt is credited but Hans Zimmer has basically taken credit for the movie ever since he's credited on three of the other five, four movies. They established these three themes in this first one that are used over and over again in the later movies that have Hans Zimmer's name on it. Hmm. Um, and if you look at the end credits, there's a, so he actually gets a sole credit on screen. It's a score produced by Hans Zimmer where it's just that's credit on the screen. It Doesn't share the screen with anything else, so it's like they're telling you Hans Zimmer actually wrote this, but there must have been some, some thing with the union, yeah. some contractual thing or union thing to where so whatever. Um, and I think that aside from the establishment of the main themes, the score in this movie is actually really terrible.
0: <laughs> well, because what's, what's funny is that I that's the only times that I re- that I even recognized it was when it was doing the the main themes.
1: Yeah. But there's like the, the underscore during like the the sacking of Port Royal, or the the ship to ship battle. Yes. A little more than halfway through is just the most the most bland percussive synthesized bullshit. Because you can tell they had no time to do it. So they're just like now you get a pirate movie that sounds like you know. Man on Fire or whatever. <laughs> that's a bad. <laughs> that's a bad example. That's a bad example because I like the music of that movie. Try to think of like a. What you know, The Rock. Oh, there we a, go. A, you know, there, there's a Bruckheimer movie that just sounds, you know.
0: Welcome that's to the Hans Rock. Zimmer
1: too, but it, it, that kind of music shouldn't be on Pirates of the Caribbean. And Hans Zimmer corrected that in the next two. Oh, okay. Um, but that that closing theme over the end credits. I mean, God, that's been used at so many stadiums in the last 15 years. Hmm. It's what introduced the Chicago White Sox for their glory years in the mid-2000s. They played that every game, that music. And you still hear it at stadiums and and uh, repurposed for other things. They play it in Disneyland in the ride now. They they have that music and part of it. It's not just the Yo-Ho theme the whole way through. So
0: Okay, nice.
1: There you go. Well, there you go. Hans Zimmer did it again. Good guy. <laughs> <laughs> he is
0: your guy that's for yeah, sure he's one of them that's <laughs> that's true if you're a composer you have to uh, and you're successful you are Sean's guy <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I just say that because you pay attention to the, the score more than most people
1: yeah I guess I do yeah. I, and um and I kind of hate it when I come out of a movie and I can't remember any of the music because I'm like oh I wasn't paying attention
0: yeah well you got a lot of well, a lot of stuff to pay attention to, especially in a film that is as long and convoluted as this one is. There's a, lot of, well, yes. there's a lot of stuff going on.
1: There is. And there's, I mean, even the new Star Wars, we're recording this just after The Last Jedi has come out. I came out of that movie, I couldn't tell you any of the new themes that John Williams wrote. Because, mm. man, there's a lot going on in that movie. Mm. But there are new themes because I listened to it on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
0: There you go. Yes. We have yet, we have yet to see that. And I was actually going to just mention that we, uh, one of the first things that we're doing, my little one and I, once the, uh, once the break hits for Christmas is we are going to get the, um, the original, the original, original Star Wars. <laughs> and, uh, we're going to watch A New Hope. And she has seen just, uh, not the most recent film and not, uh, the, she's seen the Force Awakens, as I yeah. scramble to remember what that's called, which is terrible. <laughs> um, so she—that's the one that she's seen. Now she has no context as to who anyone is mm-hmm. or what, what anything, what's going on or anything like that. She's very excited to see the new film, so we need to get her on to the New Hope and kind of go from there. Excellent. Uh, we are. Very frustrated at the household, we meaning me, by <laughs> the whole, uh, let's just issue about 70 different versions of all of these things in yes. different box sets and different versions and all of that, mm-hmm. which is uh, quite frustrating.
1: Well, and if, there, if anything good c- can come out of Disney acquiring 20th Century Fox's film studio...
0: There you go. Let us yeah. hope,
1: let us hope that it, they can finally give us high definition releases of the unmolested Star Wars trilogy.
0: <laughs> and I'll see the, the one that I have, uh, well, I mean, I had like everyone else had the, that three box set of VHS mm-hmm. tapes. And I'm assuming this DVD that is going to be, that is shipping as we speak. Um, I'm assuming this is like the 03 Anakin as uh Steven Glass at the end oh. of the I'm assuming that's that version.
1: Oh, that just breaks my heart.
0: But I'm not sure, you know, because it's just that's the only one that's available when I click on it and right. I want it to to ship. So
1: Well, you know, if you if you get lucky, although this would have been on the bonus feature disc, there is a release, a DVD release that has the the unmolested versions as special features. Oh. But they're not like they're not like remastered or anything. It's like they just transferred, like whatever the last LaserDisc they was just copied released. This right over. <laughs> yeah, so it's it, you know it's not the best video quality in the world. But if you you know well, you can find that on DVD, but they're not great quality.
0: I don't need a New Hope to look pristine. That's not the way no. that I saw it. That's not the way that I grew up with it. looking Oh
1: yeah, you know. I bought a VCR from Goodwill just to watch Star Wars because oh, it's go. it's just the way it is, man. It's just... The, that's that's how I remember Star Wars. Yeah.
0: That's like, <laughs> you know, I remember... I don't need to see Han Solo fucking jumping over the skinny-ass <laughs> version of... I don't need to see that. No. I remember it being a big deal and I remember at the time going, well, that looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, going... Well, I wonder why they put that in there. That doesn't look any good. So, no, I don't know.
1: that was 20 years ago already. I know. that They can did you that.
0: that? That's crazy. That is crazy, crazy. Okay, so let's wrap up this discussion of Pirates of the Caribbean slash other things that we felt like talking about. <laughs> uh, if you have any comments, any suggestions, or any movies that you'd like to hear us talk about, you could email me. I'm at plainlabelpodcast at gmail dot com. Or you could also follow the show over at Twitter. Our handle's at Plain Label Pod. You could follow me over there too. I'm at Eric Williams 79. We also have a Facebook page and an Instagram account. Just search for Plain Label Podcast and you'll find us over there. And say that you wanted to help us out a little bit, you could head over to MovieNoise.com. You're going to find our episodes that are posted over there. And if you check out those show notes, or if you just look at the show notes over at iTunes or wherever you're listening to this, you'll find links to our Amazon wish list. So I do want to thank Sean once again for coming on. If people wanted to hear more from you or get in touch with you, where could they do that?
1: You should follow me on Twitter at SeanStanglinDH or go to DailyHerald.com and search Sean Stanglin. You can find the column that I write every Friday.
0: There you go. So thank you for listening and we'll be back next week with the films Dead Man's Chest and At World's End.